today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. me if you will to Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 if you will move down to verse 10 and the apostle Paul said and if Christ be in you man what a powerful statement if Christ be in you. Think about that for just a moment. If you're saved, the Lord Jesus Christ is in you through and by the Holy Spirit. No wonder Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We have a powerful force within us as believers. But now let's look at what the next portion of that scripture says, Romans 8 verse 10. If Christ be in you, he said, the body is dead because of sin, because of the fall, because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. There is sin, there is death in these physical bodies. And here we have in these first 12 words of the 10th verse of the 8th chapter of Romans, we have two of the most powerful but opposing forces in the universe inside of us. You have one that is pulling you to death, and you have the other that's pulling you to life. And here's the thing. If we depend on the efforts of the physical body, what we can do, our willpower, education, talent, ability, those types of things, and, and, we, and we try to live for God by that means, we are trying to pull life out of death, and the end result is going to be death. But... The latter part of verse 10 says, The Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Holy Spirit is the source of all life. In the book of Genesis, we read where the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and in the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and life began in this world when the Spirit of God 
moved. That's a powerful thing. The Holy Spirit brought life out of nothing, void and emptiness. The Holy Spirit can do the same thing today in a heart and life that's void of God. The Holy Spirit can bring life to that individual. Jesus was dead in the tomb for three days. And on the third day, the Spirit of God moved upon him and raised him to life. Why? Because of righteousness. Because of his righteousness. The wages of sin is death. Had Jesus so much of sinned one time in his life, he would not have raised from the dead. But the, but the Spirit was able to move upon him and bring life back to Christ because of His righteousness, His perfect life. And here is the thing. The Holy Spirit will bring life to any and all who will believe in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you... If the Spirit of God is dwelling in us, then the potential is there to live a victorious, overcoming Christian life. Let me say that again. If the Spirit is in you, the potential, the power is there for you to live a victorious, overcoming Christian life. It goes on to say, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, some just limit this to the resurrection rapture. And yes, it does point to that. But Paul uses the word mortal here in this verse. And it refers to the present time right now. And that means that there's not a temptation to sin or a bad habit so dark, so binding, so destructive that the Spirit of God can't handle it in our lives. Glory to God. There is not a sin so dark, a habit so bad, anything that the Spirit of God can't handle in your life. Whatever you're struggling with, the Holy Spirit will give the power. He will impart to us whatever power and whatever is necessary to bring about the victory in our bodies right now. He'll do it. But He only works as we keep our faith anchored in the finished work of Christ. Romans 8 verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. In other words, we have an obligation to Christ. Not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Our obligation is to Christ. It's not to a bunch of rules made up by men, some preacher, or some church organization. Now, I've got a problem with churches having to pay in dues to be a part of a particular denomination. Do you realize today that some churches go so far as wanting to see the W-2 forms of the, uh, of, of the members in that church and wanting to see how much tithe they're paying to the church? Are you paying your tithes to the church like you're supposed to? Do you know in some churches that the pastor 
says when you can take vacation and when you can't? How would you like to go to a church like that? That sounds like a cult to me. I don't know about you. But we have an obligation, folks, and it's not to the church, it's not to some preacher, not to some denomination. We have an obligation to the Lord Jesus Christ because He's the one that paid the price for all that we have in Him. Romans 8 and verse 13. Paul said, If we live after the flesh, ye shall die. I want you to think about the seriousness of what Paul said here. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. This goes back to what we just read in verse 10, where he said the body is dead because of sin. The body is just not capable of doing what God requires. And if we try to live this life depending on the efforts of the physical body, we're going to die. We're not going to make it. And the word die here is referring to the final death, the lake of fire. Think about that. When Paul said, if you live after the flesh, you shall die, he's talking about going to the lake of fire. So actually what Paul is telling us here is that if we don't follow after God's way, which is the cross, which opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and we follow the moving of the Spirit and cooperate with the Spirit in our lives, we could lose our soul. That's what Paul is saying here. And he's talking to believers, which in this case shoots in the foot the doctrine of unconditional eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Because he said it right here, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. And he's talking to believers, and the word die there is referring to the lake of fire. So if you ever get in a discussion with someone who believes once saved, always saved, you can use Romans 8 and 13, because he said it right there. You cannot live a life as a Christian in habitual sin. Let me say that again. You cannot be a Christian and stay on a level with sin and have a habitual sin in your life. It won't work. Sin drags down. I've seen it happen too many times. People have a little, little pet sin over here, and they become complacent, and they start making up excuses and allowances for their sin, and then finally they just quit altogether and they don't ask God to forgive them. Why? Because, well, once you're saved, you're always saved, so what's the big deal? Hello? Now, I'm not saying that everybody that believes once saved, always saved is, is lost. Because there's some people out there, they love God with all their heart. But you have some that take this doctrine and they say, well, I can just do whatever I want to do. And Paul said it right here, if you live after the flesh... You shall die. That's what the book says. All right. Paul said that we need to mortify, kill the deeds of the body. Latter half of verse 13. Look at that. He said, mortify the deeds of the body. Now, there's several things I want to look at here. First of all, the physical body is neutral. It can be used... 
for good or bad. You can do good deeds or you can do bad deeds. Now, we can understand killing and mortifying the bad deeds. Does anybody have a question about that? I think we all understand why you would want to get rid of the evil, bad deeds. But what about the good deeds? Because Paul said here, mortify the deeds, and that can be good or bad. So what, what do you do with the good deeds? We need to repent of the good deeds just as much as we do the bad. Let me say that again. We need to repent of our good deeds just as much as we do the bad deeds in some cases, and I'll tell you why. In the Garden of Eden, the tree that messed up everything was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't the evil side of the tree that tempted and deceived Eve. It was the good side of that tree. And we got a lot of people in the world today and even the church that are trusting in good works and good deeds to save them or they get saved the right way and they start trusting in good works and good deeds to try to sanctify them. Either way, it's from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you're trusting anything other than Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross, you need to repent of that. The body is neutral, and the deeds of this body has to be killed. Don't kill your body. Kill the deeds of the body. Don't trust in your good work. Well, like I said, we understand the evil side of it, the sins. But anything that you're trusting in to get you brownie points with God, you're going to have to crucify that. Paul said, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, number two, the body relates to the world, and the world relates to the body. The world system has an effect on us. If you will, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. The world has an effect on us, and... We've got to be careful with the world not to get too loose with the world, if you understand what I'm saying. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he said, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? None. What communion hath light with darkness? None. And what concord has Christ with Belial, or the devil? None. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Again, none. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? The two can't mix. You can't put the two together. So again, none. For you are the temple of the living God, 
As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, look at this, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord of hosts, and, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So if we don't obey these injunctions as given out by the Lord, then he won't receive us. Again, that shoots down the doctrine of unconditional eternal security, once saved, always saved. As a Christian, we can't play loose with the world. The world is against us. The world hates us. Dana, if you will, go to John 15 and verse 19. John 15, verse 19. Jesus said, if you, talking about the disciples, talking about you and I today as believers, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. Church, let me tell you something. When the world out here starts loving the church, we got a problem. Because Jesus says right here, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The world is against the child of God. That's why we're not to love the world, nor the world system. John also said in 1 John 2 and verse 15, 1 John chapter 2, Verse 15, John said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. We have to mortify the deeds of the body. Romans 8 and verse 13. Now, how do we do that? Paul tells us right there in that verse. Look at it. Romans 8, verse 13. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. In other words, if we try to do this thing within ourselves, our willpower, some 12-step program changing our habits, or trying to use the strength of this physical body, we die. But you, but if you through the Spirit, there you have it, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. This can be done, but it's only through and by the power of the Holy Spirit that resides within our hearts and lives. And we have to cooperate with the Spirit. The Spirit will point out things in your life that don't need to be there. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that worldly, ungodly mess. Cut it off. He'll direct you to a Christian channel that's got good music on there where you can worship and praise God. Don't hang around that person. They're a bad influence on you. Don't, don't do it. The Holy Spirit, He'll give you a desire in your heart to read His Word. And He'll open up the Scriptures to you. If we will cooperate with the Spirit, the deeds of the body will be mortified. But again, as we've stated time and time again, this don't happen overnight. 
but we have to walk after. That means the Spirit is up here in front doing the leading, and we're doing the following. We have to be led of the Spirit. All right, Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, the word of faith, people, take this to the extreme, saying that we're equal with Christ. No, we are not equal with Christ. Not by a long shot. Jesus is the Son of God. By eternal generations, He was there in the very beginning when the world was created. We were not. He is the Son of God by eternal generations. He's always existed from eternity past. You and I were adopted sons of God. We were adopted into the family. Look at verse 15, Romans 8, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Some have taken this too far by saying we're equal with Christ. Some haven't taken this far enough. Ain't that about the way it normally goes? You have some that fall too far one way or the other. There's a line of, of moderation there that we, need, that we need to walk in. Here's the thing. As a child of God, we are adopted into the family. And we have rights and privileges as an adopted son of God. We can go before our heavenly Father. Glory to God. We have the privilege of going before someone who can change anything. Someone who has unlimited resources, and let me tell you, if he ain't got it, he can speak it into existence. <laughs> Glory to God. And Jesus Christ has opened up that door where we can go before the Heavenly Father. Jesus said in John sixteen twenty three, In that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. That is an honor and a privilege that we have as an adopted Son of God. the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.